Broncos country. Let's ride with Touchdown Denver. Touchdown Denver. Hosted by Nick Ferguson and George Stoya. Touchdown Denver. All right, everybody. Welcome into another episode of Touchdown Denver. Hosted by myself, George Stoya of the Denver Gazette. And my good friend, Nick Ferguson. Nick, how you doing this morning? George, I am doing uh, spectacular. Uh, even with what's going on here with Denver Broncos, I am still doing uh, well. How are you doing? I'm good. I want to know why are you spectacular? What's going on? Anything well, I'm happening? wake up in the morning, George. I yeah. Mean, regardless of what happens with the Broncos, anytime I'm blessed to wake up in the morning and, and see those handsome boys looks that you have, uh, ben Affleck, uh, I am happy. Yeah. I, I think you're also happy. Does uh, I think that Yankees start the playoffs today, right? Is that right? Is there it? Really? They do they? Ha! Yes, they do. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm excited for that. I, I, I'm also rooting for my Mariners. So uh, some some good baseball. You but, can't uh, root for two teams. I, I I do because I you know baseball's just not my thing. So I just sit back and enjoy playoff baseball. I don't really care who wins. Well, you, with, with that being the case, you might as well just adopt like four teams in basketball and football and just do well, no. gambit. No, no, no. I grew up a football fan, so I have my teams in football. Well, except for the NFL, I don't really have a team in the NFL. And for basketball, growing up in Oklahoma, it's thunder or die. So I, I ride or die with OKC. I have my sweatshirt on. Okay, okay. I right see here. it. I see it. So, uh, but Nick, we got a lot of football to talk about today. Uh, I don't know if you watched any of last night's game. Um, oh, yes, the- I did. The controversy with roughing the passer. Uh, you've got Devontae Adams shoving people. Uh, you've also got Matt Rule, who was fired, I think it was yesterday on Monday. Mm-hmm. Um, so let's dive into some of that because I do think that it's interesting. The Monday night game obviously plays a factor in, in the Broncos season in the AFC West. But also, I know you wanted to talk a little bit about Matt Rule because he was the odds on favorite to be fired first this year. And guess who is now the new number one? to be the next coach fired. It is Nathaniel Hackett of the Denver Broncos. Well, you know what? That is uh, rather interesting. And and I I never advocated for uh, anyone or would advocate for anyone to be fired. But I understand that this is uh, a business. Football is definitely a business. And if you're not winning, then someone's going to get fired. And it's usually the head coach and and the GM. And the situation with uh, Matt Rule in, in Carolina, it just really piqued my interest because you know, Matt Rule was an offensive guy. You know, he, he kind of rebuilt the Temple program. Then he went to Baylor. And then it was at least high hopes for what he could do in the NFL as a hot coach. And everyone's looking for those young, hot coaches that can really gel with the quarterback. But that just never didn't happen. And then you look at the offensive statistics, and they never really met the mark. So it got me to thinking, with everything that's happening here with the Denver Broncos, and what we're not seeing from the Broncos offense and basically what we were promised when George Payton went through the hiring process and Nathaniel Hackett was named the head coach, could he himself find or be the next Matt, Matt Rule? So do you think that things could be pushed to that point where things move from being just talked about to seeing action when it comes to Nathaniel Hackett and his coaching staff? I mean – Right now, no, right? Like, it's too early in his tenure to be talking about, you know, him being fired, especially this season. Like, I've, I'm definitely a believer and you've got to give someone time. And when you look at what the Broncos have been through this season and 
yeah, it hasn't been pretty in terms of execution and communication and all those things that make great coaches, right? I mean, even the play calling, and we'll dive into, you know, some of the areas that they've just been really bad on offense. But, like, I don't know if you saw the stat the other day, but the Broncos are second in the league right now in terms of, um, you know, the the amount of money that's on the, the injury reserve, right? So, like, all these guys that are important players are on the injury reserve. And I don't want to make excuses. Everybody has injuries, right? But for them to be among the, the league leaders in that, uh, I think that that obviously is a huge bummer for the Broncos and and honestly something that is going to hurt Nathaniel Hackett his first year. I mean, we're also going to dive into later Russell Wilson and his shoulder, and maybe that's going to be something that is effective all season, right? Uh, that's something that could that could really, you know, hinder them from, from being what they want to be. So I think that it's too early to say that, but it's definitely something that, you know, going into – uh, we're going to have to evaluate it at the end of the end of the season, right, Nick? Just like George Payton and, and the ownership group are going to have to evaluate Nathaniel Hackett at the end of the season. And, and if things don't get turned around, maybe they do let him go after one year. I don't think that's going to happen unless this thing really turns into a disaster. Uh, but it does make sense that he's top of the list, right? <laughs> I mean, maybe Josh McDaniel should be after last night and, you know, not kicking an extra point. Uh, but I do think Nathaniel Hackett, it's probably a little bit on the hot seat, but so is everybody in the NFL, except for the guys that have that have proven themselves, that have won Super Bowls and things like that. I think everybody is kind of sitting there at, at times. So, um, you know, I think it is an interesting conversation. I think it's also interesting, Nick, if we wanted to talk about, you know, some of the other first-year head coaches that are having a lot of a lot of success. Obviously, Mike McDaniel, Mike McDaniel, the Dolphins are playing well. Uh, how about Brian Dayball and, and the Giants, four and one? So I do think that that doesn't help Nathaniel Hackett's case is that you're seeing other first-year head coaches have the success that they are early in their careers. Well, the reason that that being the case is because there's an old formula uh, in the NFL, and it's really simple, right? It is run the ball and play great defense. We've seen the Pittsburgh Steelers win multiple championships and have multiple playoff appearances doing that thing. Right. We, we If you go back in history and you say go back to the Baltimore Ravens with Trent Dilfer, how do they do it? They did it with defense and special teams. Brad Johnson with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. They did it with defense. So the Broncos, when you really think about it, they do have a built in uh, formula already that the NFL has said, hey, this is how you win games. But the problem is when the offense needs to move the ball, just that that, that moment. You know, that two minutes, that four-minute offense, they they don't. And then they're, they're always shooting themselves in the foot. So when I look at Hackett and the way that the Broncos could be winning games, yeah, it could be ugly. No one likes it. But at the same way, same time, it, it's kind of how the NFL has been built over the past couple of years. But he said it himself, I mean, they, they've struggled, you know, running, running the ball. And when you look at this offense and you look at, Kevin O'Donnell's with the Minnesota Vikings, Matt LaFleur, Mike LaFleur, uh, Kyle Shanahan, uh, Sean McVay, they all run a version of this offense, right? Now, I would say that they have, you know, some you know better talent at certain positions and maybe offensive line, tight end, or wide receiver, but they run the same offense or version of, but it just seems as though they want to run the ball, right? You, you look at Kyle Shanahan, his offense – is built on running the ball. I mean, Zach Taylor has better talent overall with the Cincinnati Bengals than Kyle has with the 49ers. But Kyle knows I'm going to live and die by the run because that's going to set up play action. But we're not seeing that happen 
with the Broncos and Russ is being put in situations that dare I say that he doesn't need to be in because he's not a drop back quarterback, but you keep putting him in drop back situations. I, I know, Nick, <laughs> I wish I had the answer for the offense. I, I, I think a large part of it is like you said, personnel, right? I think you, you, the teams you mentioned, um, you know, have, you know, better offensive lines, probably not the Bengals. The Bengals offensive line is yeah, terrible. Terrible. That bad, but obviously the 49ers, I think they have one of the better offensive lines in the league right now um, when Trent Williams is healthy. So I think that that's part of the issue, right? The Rams offensive line hasn't been good either, but you know, the Rams and Bengals have both struggled. If you look at it, I mean, they're both sitting at, I think two and three, aren't they? So, um, you know, I think that that's probably, you know, probably part of the issue with this offense is to be able to run the football, you got to have a great offensive line. And now you're looking at the Broncos down Garrett Bowles. Uh, you know, they need, you know, uh, Quinn Miners, who's probably their best run blocker on the entire team is that has been out. So I, I think that that's part of the issue. Um, but I, I think also it's, it's like you said, Russell Wilson just doesn't look comfortable. Uh, and maybe that's because he is injured. And, and again, we're going to dive into that in the second segment. But, uh, you know, here's the issue, too, Nick, is they get to the red zone and then they don't score. They're they're I have the stats here. They're dead last in the NFL in, in red zone offense. Twenty one point four three percent. The next best is Seattle at thirty eight percent. So you're talking about the next best are like doubling, doubling them. And they're thirty first. The Seahawks are thirty first. Broncos are thirty second. So. That's really bad. Also, we have the audio audio here from Broncos.com of Nathaniel Hackett talking this week about uh, their red zone inefficiency. It's a combination of a lot of things. I think it's a combination of uh, everybody getting used to each other down in that region. You can never practice that region enough. Uh, and we have to execute better. We have to coach better. We have to come up with better plays. Uh, we have to run the ball more. There are so many different things that when we look at it that we can do a better job at across the board. Uh, and again, it's being behind the sticks there too. I think that once we got down there, I think we were on about the nine yard line. We ended up having a loss of yardage went back and then another loss of yardage back. And then we're on a third and 16 from the 16. Uh, those things are hard to execute. Anytime you're in a third and goal from that far out, it's hard. They're all going to sink back into the end zone and you're going to try to do your best to make a shot, take a shot or have somebody run around and make a play. But um, those situations we can't have. And uh, we got to do a better job coaching. It starts with me and getting better plays so those guys can execute it better. Nick, I think I saw somewhere this week that the Broncos actually are one of the league leaders in explosive plays this year, um, which is kind of baffling to think about that they have. I think it's through the air. They have like uh, one of the top through the air offenses in terms of explosive plays over 20 yards or more. Uh, but they also cannot score in the red zone. So they're getting down there. They're getting the big plays to get them down there and then they can't execute. So, Nick, what what is the issue? If if you are if you're Nathaniel Hackett. Nick Ferguson, how are you fixing this Broncos offense in the red zone? Well, George, I'm calling uh, better plays. And you heard it, him say it himself. And when you get down in the red zone, it is about play calling, but more importantly, it's about execution, right? There are several plays that you can run inside the, the red zone area. And I, I have to go back to the Broncos Thursday night football game, and I was talking to an old station mate about uh, certain plays that the Broncos could run. And I saw similar plays run in college and I saw the Cincinnati Bengals do it. And think about the Kansas city chiefs. Every time they get inside the red zone, uh, Travis Kelsey is somewhere off the ball. 
It's going to be some kind of tight end screen, delay screen, some kind of throwback, some shovel pass, something to get their tight end involved because they know he's a big body and it's hard to defend almost like a basketball situation being posted up. So, no, you don't have a Travis Kelsey on your team, but you do have some capable uh, big body tight ends. So find a way to get those guys involved. Oh, and by the way, if you are fourth and one or you're in a goal line situation, goal to go, you do a quarterback sneak or you hand the ball off to a running back. So many times this past weekend, and, and the Broncos were the first one on Thursday night that we saw victimized by this, it's it's a fourth and short. They put the quarterback in the shotgun, the back offset, and they're still trying to run the ball. It's like, no, let's not make the game harder than what it already is. And you can change up things, George, when it comes to the routes being run and the red zone. Let me give you a little football one-on-one. Hopefully I don't want to talk over anyone's head, but this is a simple route that you can run. It is called a chair seven. And what that, what that means is the route looks just like a chair you sit in because you get two in routes from the outside receiver and that receiver closest to the quarterback or closest to the offensive line, he runs a corner route, right? You can use that against man and you can use that against zone. And it's called chair seven. Two in routes and a seven route corner route running to the pylon, right? Because once again, it's all about giving the quarterback options. Okay, he goes through his progressions. That route is not there. This route is not there. Oh, I can either throw it or I can run it. Here's another one. You often see it on third downs and short yardage situations. Tell me if you've seen it before. And I'll paint the picture this way. You have two receivers to your right. You have the quarterback in the shotgun with the back offset to his right. Why is that back there? He's for extra protection. He blocks and seals the edge so the quarterback can get outside the pocket. You have one route running a go, one running or out. So now the quarterback is looking at his progressions. One, two, and three is me running the ball. I've never coached. I've never coached offense in this in, in this league. I never played offense in, ever in my career, but I know what gives defensive issues inside the red zone. I just gave you two plays. I could give you more if we had more time, but this is something that you come up with. I don't get paid to do this, right? I just know defense and I know what I see, George. So the Broncos can utilize some of the same plays that I just gave you and be effective on third down and inside the red zone. Yeah, hopefully Nathaniel Hackett listens to this podcast um, because I think Nick may have just uh, found the the uh, solution to the problem here. Um, those are some good plays there, Coach yeah. uh, I, <laughs> I, you know, my, my theory was like, just get a better tight end. That was why. <laughs> You're still waiting for Greg Dosage, right? I am. Greg Dosage. He's going to fix the Broncos. Uh, (laughs) No, but I do think there, I think you're right. I think that those plays obviously, and you obviously have a unique perspective. I I do think that uh, obviously defenses uh, are are usually better in the red zone because obviously you have have less field to work with uh, as an offense. So I I do think that that's an interesting perspective. And I do think that Greg Dulcich could help this team if he's any bit any good, because I, I just, they have no tight ends right now. And you're right. The bet you look at the the best teams in the league, they're throwing to their tight ends down there. I mean, Kel- Travis Kelsey had four touchdowns last night, a Monday Night Football record, uh, yeah. and they were all they were all like inside the ten yard line. So it's sure. like, you know, he's he and he's fantastic, and you know that the Raiders are game planning for that, but he's still so good that he can get. I mean, so I, I think that if they obviously, I'm not saying Greg Dulcich is going to be Travis Kelsey, but uh, I do think that maybe he could help them if 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 he can be 
any bit effective. So, uh, Nick, let's take a quick break, and then we will dive into uh, the Russell Wilson news and, and, and his shoulder and the, the things that he's fighting through right now. Let's ride with Touchdown Denver. Touchdown Denver. Hosted by Nick Ferguson and George Stoya. All right, guys, we're back from that quick break. And, Nick, let's dive into what I would say is maybe some concerning news. Uh, We found out that uh, Russell Wilson this weekend, I believe it was on Friday, flew out to Los Angeles to uh, get an injection for his his throwing shoulder, which we knew was was nagging him a little bit. I think it was after the Raiders game. Uh, He was limited in practice. I don't think he practiced much at all uh, leading up for the Thursday night game. Flies out to L.A. on Friday. Um, it sounds like it was an injury that I think Dak Prescott maybe had a couple years ago, and he he missed some of training camp for it. Uh, it does appear that he's going to play through it. Um, I don't know like how serious that actually is. We haven't talked to Russell this week. I, I'm sure we'll find out here soon when we do talk to him. But, Nick, uh, how concerning do you think this injury is? Have you ever heard of something like this? It sounds like it's more of a baseball injury than anything. It does sound like more like a baseball injury, and if I'm not mistaken, didn't he didn't he have this uh, this procedure called a PRP injection? I think it's it's a platelet rich plasma uh, yeah, injection, yeah. Right. and uh, I'm, I'm quite familiar with with the cycle itself because I had one when I played for the Houston Texans, and I kind of jacked up my knee. Basically, what they do they stick a needle into the uh, I guess the injured area, they pull out blood, they spin it down. And they inject the plasma back into that area to speed up uh, the healing. But this does seem like it is a baseball type injury. And Russell, he has a baseball type background. And I and I can tell you this, man. Uh, I mean, I, I've never played uh, a competitive uh, quarterback position in high school, Pop Warner in NFL. But I did uh, play quarterback in our family Thanksgiving games. And I can tell you that, man, if something is wrong with that lat, man, you, you can't follow through. And it is painful. And, and I go back to uh, a play against uh, the Las Vegas Raiders, which may have created the issue. You may, I don't know if you remember. Remember, uh, Russ was dropping back. There was no receivers. He scrambled to his left. He ran to pick up the first down. He was reaching and trying to extend the ball out. Yep. And he was shoved from behind. And to me, as he was reaching the ball out, I think that's where the injury actually first uh, took place. And I, and, and I don't want this to be somewhat of an excuse for Russ, but I know how difficult it is to play the game and play a game at quarterback. If something is bothering you in your lat on your throwing shoulder, the worst, it, the one thing that could be even worse could be an elbow or your, your shoulder, your rotated cuff uh, period. But he's definitely struggling. It does raise the question as to why haven't we seen Russ really push the ball down the field. This may be one of the reasons, but I don't know if Broncos country are, are willing to, you know, buy that and say, okay, well, the reason that we've, we have not seen the best of Russell, especially on Thursday night, is because of this particular injury. Now, when you, when you first heard about the injury, what was the first thing that came to your mind? Uh, I, I was more concerned for the future, like, are they? Is he going to be able to overcome this enough to win these next few football games? Because I look at the next stretch of these games, and and you see the Chargers uh, on the road, obviously Monday night. You right. come back, you get a Jets team that's playing good football right now, uh, and then you go to London to play the Jaguars. And I look at this this next stretch, and they really need to win two of these next three, in in my opinion. 
and uh, to, to really stay in, in the playoff hunt and everything. So that was my first concern is like, is this going to be something that causes him to sit out or causes him to not be himself? Because if he does play like he did against Indianapolis, then I think that the Broncos are in trouble. And I do think that it does give him uh, a bit of an excuse in that Colts game, right? Uh, in terms of like, he was really bad. I mean, it was statistically one of his worst performances of his career. Uh, and I think that it was clear now you go back and watch, he missed some throws. He was hesitant. I also think Nick, and, and, and tell me if I'm wrong, because like I always say on here, I have never played uh, in, in the NFL, but I would assume when something's bugging you like that, like I'm sure it was bugging Russell, like he, he can feel that pain in his shoulder every time he throws the football. It also plays with your head a little bit. Maybe you're looking for the easier throw. Maybe you're looking for the check down instead of saying, oh, I'm going to throw the ball deep down the field because you know your, your shoulder isn't right. So I think that that also has a huge effect on it. It's not just, oh, it's making me sail passes or I'm throwing it short or I'm off target, whatever it is, because, you know, your shoulder's hurting. I think it's also a mental thing, right, overcoming that. And Russell really hasn't had a ton of injuries in his career so it's interesting to see how he's going to play this. But Nick, before that, he was already statistically having the worst season of his career. So I don't think that the shoulder injury was was affecting that, obviously, previously. I think he was already playing not great football at times. Uh, and now I think that this is this is only going to hurt him more. But again, I don't know how long this is going to affect him. It sounds like he'll be over it you know, uh, eventually. But let's say he takes another hit to the shoulder and also, hey, I hate to bring it up. Your left tackle's gone. He's probably going to take some more hits. Um, you know, those things are going to happen. But that was kind of my perspective on it. Well, it's interesting because uh, there's so many things so many things that you actually brought up as I was sitting here listening to you. I was like, wow. Now, let's kind of uh, go back over that. Uh, the first thing is you just look at Russell Wilson and his, him being a little inaccurate or off the mark on uh, Thursday night. Uh, you ask the question whether that plays a, a role mentally for a player. Absolutely. It, it does weigh on you. And if there were any indication, and I have to feel as though maybe Nathaniel Hackett and the medical staff, they knew something was wrong with Russell. Now, the only reason they would not know if Russell didn't tell him, and that's a possibility as well. Well, let's look at it and say, well, they knew that something was wrong with him, but they didn't know the magnitude of it. Then it, it is on the play caller to now reduce the scheme. And what I mean by that is that now you put in a lot of short type of routes. This is where your tight ends and your running backs get involved in the passing game because you know that there's a problem with your quarterback. Here's the other thing. Because Russell probably got injured on that play I described in the Raiders game, and he was running, he was escaping the pocket, maybe Russ will not choose to – run the ball anymore, which I think would be a detriment to him and the offense. But the more important thing that I don't think anyone has talked about with the fact of, that the Broncos have a bevy of injuries across both sides of the ball, offense and defense, and you lose your left tackle in Garrett Bowles, is it time to think about shutting Russell down for the remainder of the season? Your thoughts? I was not prepared for that question. Um, that's a big question. I don't think so, but I was going to follow up and ask you if they should shut him down for at least this week because it does sound like an injury that takes time. I, I know that you get the injection and that's supposed to help kind of uh, alleviate that pain, but I, I do think if it's a situation where 
they're saying, hey, it's going to take a couple weeks for you to feel even close to yourself, then what's the point of running him out there against the Chargers? And I get it. Like you, you want to win the football game and and all of that. And, and you know, they're they're struggling right now offensively. And if they, you know, run out Brett Rippon, they're probably not going to to get any better on offense. Right. But I do think that if you're looking at the long term of this season and even the guy's career, right, because if he takes a serious hit and again, their left tackles out, if he takes a serious hit and you have this guy for the next seven years, right, with the new contract uh, and all of a sudden he has a serious sh- shoulder injury, I-, I don't know if it's worth it. So I, I think it's going to be really interesting to see how they play this injury, because I do think there's a chance. I know the reports are all out there that he he anticipates playing on Monday, uh, but I I think that there's a there's a chance that they hold him out and say, hey, let's make sure that you're you're feeling a hundred percent or as close as you can get to it before we run you back out there because is it worth getting him injured for the rest of the season and again not just the rest of the season but his career. All right, George. Once again, something you said sparked a little hamster wheel going in my head. Uh, the idea, everything that you presented is more of a reason why the Broncos should take a look at maybe not just sending Russell down for a couple of games, but for the remainder of the season because Bowles is gone for a while. Will yep. we see Billy Turner this season? I don't know. Quinn Miner is supposed to come back. And if the offensive line is a major issue, as though some, uh, some think, and you, there's a major investment you have in Russell Wilson, why subject him to that? We already know that the offensive scheme – is not really accentuating his skill set, and he's already banged up. So do you run the risk? Now, here's the thing that that really made the bell go off in my head, and we've seen it several times in the NFL. Let's just say they shut Russell down for this game. You know what's going to happen, right? Brett Rippon is going to go out there. He's going to make a couple of throws. The Broncos are going to look great. And then all the fans and everyone's been hypercritical about Russell and Nathaniel Hackett, they're going to say, you know what? Let Brett Rippon go in, right? Let me. I was at the gas station the other day. We're a little sidebar here, and someone recognized me and they were asking me about the quarterback situation. And then they uttered the words, "Hey, you know what? Uh, yeah, the Broncos were catfish." I was like, "What are you talking about?" And it was just like, "Well, they were catfish with uh, Russell Wilson." I'm like, "Where did you get that from? Who, who's feeding you this information?" Then I said, "You know what? Don't don't even worry about. It. Don't even tell me where you got the information from." And there is this idea that they were sold a bill of goods. And Russell Wilson doesn't, doesn't come to Denver and forget how to play the freaking quarterback position. There are a lot of other dynamics that are going on. But if Brett Rippon goes out there and this offense moves the ball, you think Jerry, Jerry Jones said, hey, we're going to have a quarterback controversy. Automatically. Just look at Twitter. It's going to be going off. Hey, forget Russell Wilson. Make Brett Rippon now the starting quarterback. You know that is going to happen. I Yes, but I don't know if Brett Rippon's going to make those throws that you're talking about. Like, I think he's a nice backup quarterback, but I don't think he's going to come in and, like, light the world on fire. Maybe I'm wrong. George, he doesn't have to. Based on what we haven't seen about the, uh, with the offense, all he has to do is be like, well, maybe uh, – 20 for 23, 148 yards, maybe a touchdown. And the Broncos are, what? Well, let's just say uh, they are three for six on third down. Those are all stats that are better than the offense has been under, uh, under Russell Wilson. So automatically, you know how fickle fans are. Come on, George, don't sit there. You know they're going to say, put Brett Rippon in. You know this. 
Yeah, but if they're if they're paying Russell Wilson a quarter of a billion dollars, I think he needs to he needs to be the starting quarterback. I don't know. I look, I it's it's all it's all hypotheticals. I think I don't think Russ is going to miss a game. Like the way that he operates, like he's not going to anything that he can do to get on the field this week, he's going to make it happen. So I I don't think it's going to it's going to change anything. Like he just he just might not look very good at times, uh, which obviously he didn't on Thursday night. So I don't know, Nick. I, I I think that it's a situation where people can can clamor all they want for someone else, but I really don't think the other options are better than what they currently have. Well, well listen, the options are not better, but you have to look at options and ROI. ROI, excuse me, return on investment. There's so much money invested in Russell Wilson with everything that's going on with this team, it's just like, okay, well, where would they fit in the pecking order as far as the playoffs? Do they have what it takes to even get that last wild card position? If they don't, you have to take a hard look at this and say, okay, well, should we just scratch and, and, and rub this season and say, okay, move on to next season? These are the ideas and the thoughts that you have to go through if you are Greg Penner and you, you are George Payton because – there's a lot of money invested in Russ. You, you don't want to, you know, risk him getting further injury. I'm sure you agree with that. So if you had to push Brett Rippon out there, Josh Johnson out there, just to say, well, we're just going to try to make it by because we don't want to sacrifice Russ, that is something to think about. Now, Russ is not going to like that because his last image of what this team or this fan base saw of him was a Thursday night football game. So the competitor in him wants to play, but once again, Here's that ugly question that comes up. When do you protect the player from himself? Yeah, and I, I think there's really valid reason to try and sit him this week and try and convince him to say, hey, let's just take off this week, see how you feel next week. You're back home. You play the Jets, a, team, a game that you should win. Um, you know, I, I think that that should be the, the pitch to Russell, but I just don't buy it, Nick. Like, I just – like, Russell is a guy that – does not strike me as someone that will take that as, as like a solution, right? Like he flew to Los Angeles to get an injection for this, which is not something that like reading up on it, this is not something that typically happens. Usually guys just rest it and then they're fine. And they like, they, they sit out for a few weeks. Like that's what Dak Prescott did a couple years ago. Now his happened before the season. So like, I think that that was smart and, and during the season it's different, but like for him to fly all the way to Los Angeles to get an injection, the day after the game that tells me he is like full. I'm going to play the rest of the season type mode. And so, <laughs> am I wrong? That tells me you got enough money to do that. That's, what that's true. Yeah, that's true too. Yeah. That's what it tells me. <laughs> but yeah, it does say that, Hey, listen, there, this is something that I, I deem to be serious. Uh, also, I don't think he's thinking, well, I can't really trust anyone on his medical staff. I already have my own right. team around me. So let me go to a place that I'm familiar with and ask this doctor, hey, listen, something's going on with my lap. What can you do, right? So R Russ is trying to, just like any other athlete, you want to get out there, you want to play, you don't want that last memory uh, to be a, have a bad taste in your mind in the fan base. So I can understand that he wants to get back out there, but the idea may be to, hey, listen, let's not play uh, this week hoping that, hey, we can win with the guys that we have, and then you're ready to play the following week against the Jets because – hey, the Jets are putting quarterbacks out of the game. Teddy Bridgewater left the game with a concussion. So you know what type of ball that they're trying to play. 
you want to make sure that you are in tip-top shape and ready to go against those game green New Year Jets. Right, right. Well, Nick, let's take uh, one more quick break, and then we will dive into some more coaching things uh, in our final segment. Let's ride with Touchdown Denver. Touchdown Denver. Hosted by Nick Ferguson and George Stoya. All right, everybody, welcome back from that quick break. And Nick, uh, our next topic um, kind of leads right into it after the Russell Wilson talk. But you have one thing that you think coaches should take a hard stance against. What is that one thing that you want to say? Well, it's based on things that we've seen over the past uh, week or so with uh, injuries and more importantly, injuries to uh, to quarterbacks. Now, all injuries cannot be prevented. But I, the idea is that you don't want to expose your players, especially quarterbacks, where you know you're paying them a, a lot of money uh, to these injuries, and it has a lot to do with Thursday night football. So I, I got to thinking after seeing what happened with Tua, and then you know Russell Wilson trying to go out there with it with with his shoulder, not his shoulder, but the lat injury, and wondering, okay, well, why would you put a subject your players to that type of situation? And I think coaches should start, start to take a hard stance on it because they're, they're validated, their paychecks, their livelihoods are predicated on these players at these positions being readily available. And for me, I think maybe coaches should look at Thursday night football and treat it like preseason, right? Because let's be totally honest, that Thursday night game between the Colts and the Broncos, did that not look like a preseason game? It sure did to me. So the idea is that if, if fans are complaining that they're not getting their best ball on Thursday night football, then coaches will say, hey, listen, I know it's part of my job. I have to make sure that I am uh, readily available and I prepare my players to play on Thursday night. But here's what I'm going to do. If it's a short week when it comes to certain key players, more importantly, the quarterback, if those guys are a little dinged in any way, guess what? We're not going to play them. And if that affects the NFL's bottom line, maybe they'll start listening and reevaluating Thursday night football and how it's more problematic for coaches and for players. So that's just kind of my idea as far as how coaches should treat Thursday night football based on not just the injuries we've seen this year, but over the years of players on Thursday night football, but more importantly, the most important position on any team or, or it's been said, George, and that's the quarterback position. So am I off my rocker on this, or can you see at least where where I'm trying to go with this? Well, I, I think it, it's it's a difficult question to answer. One, I would just say I would get rid of Thursday Night Football altogether. If I were the players and coaches, that would be my pitch, is like, hey, we got to stop playing on Thursday nights. There's too many injuries. The football isn't good. Like, it's sloppy because we only have a few days to prepare. Like, I just think there's a lot of things that the coaches and players could say, hey, Let's just get rid of Thursday night football altogether. And maybe you change it to, to Friday night football. I don't know. I don't know if they would want to do that. Uh, but I, I think that that could be something that you could pitch. I don't know. But uh, maybe you play on Saturday nights, but then you're, you know, going up against college football. So oh. I guess none of that none of that makes sense. But I would just totally get rid of Thursday night football. They're never going to do that because the money's too big, right? Uh, I mentioned it last podcast. I think it's like $13 billion or whatever it is. Um, that's that's not – it's not going away. But – I do think you have a point in the sense that like, yeah, if a guy doesn't feel a hundred percent, then they probably shouldn't play. I think we saw that with Jonathan Taylor last week in the Colts, right. That they held him out. Maybe the Broncos should have held out Russell Wilson uh, and, and, you know, not further injured it. Uh, I think that you could definitely say that, but at the same time, Nick, like 
these teams need to win these Thursday night games. Like you can't just go out there and be like, oh, whatever. Like it's no big deal if we lose because at the end of the day, every game's important. I mean, let's think about this in the future here. Let's say the Broncos, um, you know, they go nine and eight or 10 and seven and they miss the playoffs by one game. They're going to look back at that Colts game and say, man, what could have been if we could have scored just one touchdown or if uh, Russell Wilson hits KJ Hamler. Uh, you could also say that about the Monday night game with Seattle, right? If, if you make the field goal and, and everything, right? But every game matters. And so I'm not saying you, you play injured players, but I still think you play to win. Like you can't treat it. In the, and I don't think you were saying like treat it as a preseason game in, in the sense that like the result doesn't matter, but you were saying right. treat it like a preseason game in terms of the injuries. And I do think you have a point there, uh, especially when you, again, Russell Wilson's example A, right? Like if they would have held him out, does he feel a lot better? Does his shoulder feel any better than it did? Probably, probably feels a lot better. He probably would not even be questionable this week for the Monday night game. So I do, th and this is arguably a bigger game than the Colts game, right? AFC West division game, Monday Night Football. I do think this is a bigger game. So uh, I think you have a point. I just don't. I, every player, it's different, right? It depends on the injury. It depends on how the player feels, right? If the player wants to play, it's hard to keep the player from actually playing. No, it's not. No, it's not. I think it is. No, if a player, could... listen, I, I get it, and, and I was there myself, and and I and, and I did it too. I was stupid. You know, let me get out there and play. You know, I did something to my knee, and I'm still out there trying to tackle with Damian Thomason, right? But but it, it it put my future in jeopardy, and it also put my future with the team, or it eventually put my future with the team uh, in, in jeopardy. And, and this is what you have to do as a coach. A, a player is going to want to play, no no matter what, hands down, bar none, he's going to want to play. But you you have to tell that player, okay, well, we need you for the long haul. It's not a sprint. It's a marathon because if you look at every single sport, hockey, baseball, basketball, football, it's not necessarily the team that has the most talented players. I mean, you do need talent, but it comes down to this, George. Are you the healthiest? Let's talk about the ass for just a second, right? They dealt with a lot of injuries. So, and I give their medical staff big kudos for keeping those guys on the ice. But when we look at it, their team was more healthier. I mean, great skaters and fast as hell, but their team was so much better because they were healthier when they needed to. Now you look at where things are now, I think Landis Scott is going to be out for a period of time. So as a coach, you want your impact players to be readily available. Look at Tom Brady and his early struggles at Tampa Bay. They were beat up on the offensive line net wide receivers, and he didn't look that great, Right. So it's about getting the players across the finish line. If that means that, hey, listen, we just want to put you on the shelf for a week or two weeks to get you right, then sometimes you have to do that. The player is going to be upset, but you have to look big picture because Thursday night game, Russell Wilson playing on Thursday night, would it accomplish? Even if they even if they decide to run the ball, pick up the first down, George, and won the game, what did it actually accomplish? Because guess what? He was still going to have that laboring issue heading into the Monday night game against the Chargers. So sometimes as a coach, I would like to see coaches protect their players and say, dude, I know you want to, but we got to shut you down. We have to shut you down. Yeah, no, I 100% agree with you, Nick. I'm just saying when that conversation comes up, I bet it's really hard to convince Russell Wilson to sit. And I know, look, it, it shouldn't, it honestly shouldn't be his decision in a lot of cases, right? And maybe that sounds crazy that it shouldn't be the player's decision. But in this sense, like,
Like it, it shouldn't matter what Russell's pitches to play. Like if, if they think that he shouldn't play, then he shouldn't play. I'm just saying, I think it's really hard to convince a player to not play. And I know you're la- you're laughing at me, but I do think that like, Ru- I can just see Russell Wilson sitting in the trainer's room right now, telling them exactly why he can play. And at like some point you're like, I mean, like if you're the trainer, like, I just don't feel like they're going to be like, no, you can't play. Like, I just, I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong. I also just don't see Nathaniel Hackett, like, like saying, oh yeah, yeah, Russell, you don't you, you, like, you know, you cannot play. Like, I just don't see that happening. I just, maybe I'm well, naive, but like, it just feels like what Russell Wilson says happens, right? Like well, Russell well, says he's going to play. He's going to play. I'm going to put it to you this way. You're not a parent yet, but at some point you're going to become a parent and your kid is going to try to negotiate, you know, why they should eat ice cream for breakfast. You already know as a parent, that's a bad idea, right? The sugar high, the whole thing, but they're going to try to negotiate. It's kind of the same thing with being a player, right? Yeah, you want that ice cream and that's being out there on the field, but I'm going to say no because you don't need it right now. We would like to have you out there on the field, but we need you for this game and this game moving forward. So why sacrifice that player and put him in that position? And yes, Russell will not want to sit down. But Hackett would have to be the head coach they hired him to be and say, listen, this is not your decision. This decision is my decision. And I'm doing it for your help, your benefit, and that of your family. So consider me looking out for you. That's how you present it to him. Yeah, I just don't know if Nathaniel Hackett's there yet. In what do you terms mean he's of being, not there yet? What do you mean? I just mean? don't. I, he doesn't seem like someone that's going to like lay the, lay the hammer down on something like that. Like he's he's probably letting his kids eat ice cream. He strikes me as that type of <laughs> that type of parent. He's probably like, yeah, sure, you could have some, you know, you know, chocolate chocolate chip ice cream this morning. Like I, I just, it, I don't know if he's laying down. Like like if you if if we were talking about like Bill Belichick, then yeah, like I think that like players would be like, yeah, I'm going to do what he says because he's Bill Belichick. But like Nathaniel Hackett, I just doesn't strike me as someone that's going to like lay down the law on, on that kind of stuff. Like maybe I'm totally wrong, but. So basically you're calling Nathaniel Hackett a pushover. That's I wouldn't say, I wouldn't say that. I, I just don't think. He, that's what you did. I I think he, he might be for Russell Wilson right now. I think there's some of that. I think, I think Nick, here's my hot take. I think that may not just be Nathaniel Hackett. I think that may be the organization right now. Ooh, I think that okay. I think there's some internal stuff where it's like what Russell Wilson wants, Russell Wilson gets. I think that's part of this. I think that 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 might be part of the issue. I, I'm not saying that that's for sure happening. That's just a conspiracy I have. I just think that you look at everything that's <laughs> going on since Russell's come to Denver, and there's a lot of things that he's asked for, and he's gotten all of it. And so when he sits there and he says, I can play, I just don't see anybody standing up and say, no, you can't, you can't play Russell. Like I just, maybe George Payton steps in and says something. Cause he, he doesn't seem like somebody that would like, if, if, if George Payton thinks that Russell Wilson could further injure his shoulder or his lat or whatever, then I think he'll step in and say, Hey man, like we signed you to a, a quarter billion dollar deal. Like we're not going to risk you doing that. So maybe he steps in, but I just don't see Nathaniel Hackett being that guy right now. I think he is for everybody else. I, I, but I do think that there's some of this Russell Wilson stuff where it's just like we just let Russell Wilson do what he wants to do. Whatever Russell wants, Russell gets. <laughs> yeah. I do, do you do you agree or disagree with me? Well, I mean that happens around the league for guys who play that position, and that's a starting yeah. quarterback. I mean, just think about when Peyton Manning was here; he was able to dictate to John Fox which guys 
that he wanted on the roster and which guys he didn't want on the roster. Cody Lattimore, I'm not throwing to you. I'm going to throw to Rasheed Caldwell. And he was also able to bring some of his teammates out of retirement to play for the Broncos. That's just the power of the quarterback position. Do I always agree with the George? No, but that is where or how the crookie crumbles, as they would say. So there is a certain level of power that Russell has himself. Listen, they have a medical staff already. But guess what? When Russell came from Seattle, guess what? He brought his team, his security team, his masseuse, everything else, his nutritionist. I mean, so, yeah, there's a little power there. Maybe some people in the building may have some issues with it. But this is something that the league and NFL has created themselves. They created this monster when they put quarterbacks on that pedestal. So when Nathaniel Hackett was hired and then they told him, hey, there's no Aaron Rodgers. We're going after Russell Wilson. You had to already put your coaching hat on and say, listen, I know how to talk to Russell because I had to deal with Aaron Rodgers. So we already know, we already know what that can be like for Nathaniel Hackett or any person for that matter. So it, we are where we are. But your idea is being a coach. You were hired for this. Shut your quarterback down one game or two games. and then, Or in this case, maybe for the entire season. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I don't know how they'll handle it. Um, it'll be interesting to hear. We we, we hear it from Nathaniel Hackett today. I'm sure he'll be asked about it several times. Uh, we hear from Russell Wilson, I believe, later this week. So it's going to be intriguing to watch how they handle this. One thing I did want to say, one final thought before we get out of here, Nick, and I'm sure you'll have an opinion on this too, but there's been a lot of slander thrown towards Russell's way the last few days after the Thursday night game. And I get it. He did not play well. And that's fine. Criticize his play on the field a lot. But Nick, there's also been a lot of people out there criticizing him off the field uh, and his celebrity personality and his uh, the way that he acts uh. off the field. And that really bugs me because I don't think maybe I'm wrong. I don't think that has anything to do with the way he's performing on the field. I think Russell is a unique human being. You and I have talked about it before. You can call him whatever you want, but uh, off the field, goofy, corny, whatever it is. Uh, but I do think that it should be said that that should not be brought up in the same breath as, you know, he missed some throws here or he missed a read on the fourth and one to Hamler, whatever it is. Like, I just, it kind of annoys me that that continues to be a discussion with this guy. Well, the way I look at those individuals, there's a little jealousy there and they're being hypercritical. And I'll say this, that, you know, when I look at these individuals, they're known to blow a lot of hot air like blow dryers, right? That's the way that kind of look at, at the situation. And Russell was being who he is. I mean, that's the way he was before he arrived. And you think all of a sudden uh, he, that's going to change. I mean, even after he gave his presser, it was really faint, but he did say, let's ride, right? Yeah. So he got criticized for that. I'm like, dude, He's going to be who he is, right? It, it, you're already saying that he's corny and, and all these other things about him. If he decides to make a right turn and do a hard pivot and go the opposite way, guess what? That's only going to speed up with the negative things that people have said about him. So you might as well, at the end of the day, George, at the end of the day, do you. Forget everyone right. else. Do you. Right. Right. Well, it's going to be an interesting year, Nick. We're only five games in, and it feels like we've covered an entire season uh, of this Broncos team. So it'll be fun to watch this team the rest of the year. You know, interesting to see how Russell Wilson responds. Uh, but uh, I hope everybody liked this podcast. I hope you guys are eating some ice cream with your breakfast as you're listening. Um, <laughs> I know I will be because uh, I, I was raised as I could have whatever I wanted for breakfast, Nick. 
Um, oh, not okay. really. Not at all. My parents are <laughs> shaking their heads uh, as they listen to this. But uh, thanks, everybody. Make sure you guys like and subscri- subscribe to the podcast. Make sure you guys share it with your friends. Uh, and we will see you guys again uh, later this week.